0: Welcome to the Human Capital Leadership Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We share our own original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. Please join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with the Human Capital Leadership Podcast. Welcome to the human capital leadership podcast. In this HCL podcast episode, I talk with John Morgan about the new LHH report on the key challenges to leadership development programs and creating L buy-in for talent attraction and retention. John Morgan, welcome to the conversation today.
1: Happy to be here, John. Thanks for having me.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from New Jersey. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about the new LHH report on the key challenges to leadership development programs and creating LD buy in for talent attraction and retention. Uh, there's a, real, a lot of great stuff in this report. Um, that's what we're gonna zoom in and focus in on, um, but we might touch on some of the other elements as well a little bit. I'm super excited for this conversation. And of course, you have a tremendous background in this area. So thank you for taking the time to share your expertise with me in the audience. As we get started, I wanted to share John's bio with everybody. John Morgan is president of LHH's career transition and mobility and leadership development businesses and has more than 20 years of experience providing leadership advice to clients across industries on navigating economic shifts. Prior to his current role, John served as chief operating officer for three years and helped grow LHH's revenue to all-time highs. I could talk more and more about your background, but I'm going to pause there. Anything you would like to highlight about your own professional background or personal context before we dive on in?
1: That's very nice. Thank you very much for the intro. And you know, just really briefly, you know, I've uh, you know, I've been in the human capital industry for my whole career, which uh, is twenty five years. And I always like to think of myself as a blend of, you know, um, I, I I run a large human capital business, but I'm also a psychologist in training. So I have a master's um, in organizational psychology and, and also an MBA. So I really, I've just always been fascinated by human behavior at work, which is really why why I do what I do. So happy to be on the uh, on the show.
0: Very good, and I'm a close cousin. I'm an organizational sociologist uh, with a lot of social psych uh, exactly. in there. Anyways, uh, wonderful stuff. Great, great background, and and yeah, that that background serves you very well in this space. So uh, again, thank you for joining me. All right, why don't we dive on in? Give us just a little bit of background and context to this report itself. Um, sure, how this report came about. Um, some of the Components to it, and then we'll dive on in more specifically to talk sure. about L and D buy-in and talent attraction and retention.
1: Absolutely, yeah. So at LHH, you know, we've we we really do quite a bit of research to, to help sort of guide the work that we do, and the work that we do is really in three areas. I mean, if you really simplify it, the work that we do is we help our companies, uh, our clients recruit talent, develop talent, and transition talent when they when they have to uh, exit an organization. And so this study really focuses on the the middle pillar, which is developing talent, how we build leaders and how we help companies, you know, guide leadership development, investment and programs. And so, you know, we felt that in the world that we're living right now, which is sort of the convergence of, you know, leadership skills changing amid AI, return to work programs, kind of formulating Gen Z entering the workforce, just really a good time to kind of Take a step back and, and take a look at our customers and say, "Hey, what is working in leadership development?" So that's really what the impetus was for the survey. Um, we did, you know, a, a survey of about fifteen hundred C-suite executives. These are uh, C-suite leaders who are actually responsible for the purse strings of leadership development investments in their companies. And they were all large companies. And it was across uh, not only the U.S., but also we looked at the U.K., Canada, and Australia. So sort of all of our biggest English-speaking markets, uh, just to kind of get a sense for, you know, what was really working in the area of leadership development and and also what were some of the challenges, right? So a couple insights that we got out of this that we can think we can dive into more. I mean, one, we, we really saw major challenges associated with with change management and being agile. I mean, that was probably mm-hmm. ship development competency that rose to the top, but also how LD programs um, really impact recruitment and retention. Some geographic differences, of course, in, ter- in terms of what people are doing across the different markets. And then, you know, how do you build an LD culture and, and really what works? And so those are the areas that we really probed into.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And let's start with the geographical differences a little bit. Um, sure. Just at a high level, you just outlined several different core areas of the report. Maybe just give us a high level kind of descriptive summary of what you saw in terms of uh, geographic differences.
1: Yeah, there were, I mean, obviously, customs and work styles across those countries are, are a little bit different. But there were really two uh, major significant differences that, that jumped out of the data um, when we looked at it. And the first one was in North America. So in the U.S. and 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 in Canada, the, the composition of leadership programs had a had a big focus on not just leadership, but DE&I, right? So uh, you know, for sure, um, when you compare that to uh, the UK and the Australia and some of the other markets, um, we had almost 100% of leadership development programs, at least having a component that was really strongly focused on DE&I. We didn't see as many programs that have that focus in the non-North uh, American markets. So that was one thing that really jumped out. Um, and I think the second one was, was that, you know, there's this success factor that leadership development programs are really only successful when they're linked with business objectives. I mean, we all kind of know this. It's a little bit of motherhood and apple pie, right? Um, has to, you know, leadership has to drive the business strategy. We found in North America, majority, eighty uh, percent, felt that the linkage was pretty clear. Their programs that they were building were clearly linked to the the business strategy. Outside of North America, we actually found that result to be much less. It was less than 50 percent affirmed that opinion that their programs that they were building were connected to their leadership strategies. So, So those were the kind of the two major geo differences that were actually called out statistically in the study that we did.
0: Yeah, well, that's super interesting. And I again, I don't want to talk about my, you know, my own stuff too much, but I do a lot of comparative international work in the motivation, um, in the employee engagement, satisfaction, uh, and retention space looking, yeah. you know, across countries and cultures. Um, and so that is just, I I'm always fascinated by that and to see different data sets and how these differences manifest, uh, yeah. super, super interesting. Uh, anything else you want to say about that generally before we dive on in more specifically to so the buy-in piece?
1: It wasn't a huge surprise to, to see the DEI component obviously come yeah. up in North because I think, you know, uh, companies that are based in North America, I think, are a little bit um, you know behind in that area. Right. And I think, you know, the focus on that is actually encouraging uh, to see that lots of companies, you know, despite some of the recent government rulings, by the way, um, which, yeah. which some of these programs are the question. Um, what we're seeing in the research and anecdotally with our customers is that, you know, almost all of our clients are really focused on building out this agenda, at least as a component of what effective leadership looks like. And that's really nice to see. Well, let's talk
0: about the buy-in piece here for a minute, because I mean, organizations can spin up training and development, leadership development programs. Uh, Lots of organizations have big catalogs of various training offerings, for example, but they're not always very well utilized by employees. Um, so I think there's a big difference between having like a catalog of offerings versus having actually a strategic, um, you know, plan in place and leveraging that content in a way that's actually helpful for people and for the organizations themselves. And it comes back to buy-in, uh, what, what did you find in this report? You know, what are some of those big, biggest challenges for C-suite leaders that they're facing when trying to generate and create that buy-in in those leadership development programs that they may have in their organizations?
1: Um, Great question, and maybe uh, start with just sort of some of the challenges that emerged in the report. So, some we we, we actually had talked about this question a lot, and the, the the interesting thing was that we saw several challenges emerging, getting that buy-in or even participation, or whatever you want to call it, in the program that they were actually building and trying to fund. So, the five challenges that we saw that rose to the top. One was really sort of um, what it, what they categorized was as a lack of interest in the program overall. Mm-hmm. Second was lack of awareness, right Third was was a perception that the resources in the program were not adequate. Um, the fourth was that piece around lack of clarity around connection to the actual yeah. business. Last was uh, perceived lack of measurability, right? So all the things you <laughs> that, that a CEO that you know that they're coming to to say, hey, we need to do this program, these are the questions you know that the CEO is going to ask, right? I think what's what's really great is what are the solutions, you know, to those that, that we found in the report, right? So uh, I think, one, let's start with the impact of measurability. This has like been the holy grail for any program that you're going to do for a long time. How do you, how do you demonstrate to, you know, the, the CEO of the company who's going to ultimately fund this or the CFO that you're getting value from leadership development in a quantifiable manner? You know? And so there, we've made tremendous gains in the way we design programs now. Um, because of the fact that we have the benefit of AI, you know, big data and, and lots of different digital tools that we can actually quantify things that we couldn't quantify in the past. So I'll give you the example of um, most coaching program, most leadership programs have a coaching component. Really always hard to quantify the impact of coaching, yeah. but any practices it knows that it's the single best development tool on the planet, right? But but how do you quantify it? Well, now in, you know, 2023, every leadership development program has a one-on-one coaching component, and we're actually using digital platforms to measure that so you can, in in a a real-time way, see what's the person working on and what is the connection to the behavioral competency that they're trying to gain uh, improvement on, to the actual business. And we're able to do surveys to quantify the impact of the business on dollars. And, you know, when you're able to do that at scale in a company, you get reams and reams of data. You know, are not just talking about 20 people going through a program, you're talking about coaching being democratized to thousands of people in a company. So you can really then come with data that's measurable. It says, here's the X to Y, here's the impact that we've made, mm-hmm. these volumes and getting, you know, uh, C-suites to invest more in leadership development. Um, and then the other challenge is really, I think, um, how do you overcome this is you need you need real executive sponsorship to create a culture for leadership development. And I'm not talking about, you know, doing a video and saying, have at it, guys. I'm talking about, you know, the CEO or, or the executive sponsor of a leadership program. Personally talking about how leadership development impacted them and got them to the role that they're in and telling their story and being vulnerable. The companies that do it this way really drive them culture of commitment to development and that's that's what i think you know ultimately you asked me like you know what's the impact on attraction and retention and the research is clear i mean people want to go to companies where development is a priority it's the number one reason why people join it's the number one reason why people leave so if you get executive sponsorship at the top that's real um and authentic i mean then you can start building a culture where feedback's accepted where vulnerability is accepted and where actually you know it's an honor to go to a development program and, and not sure
0: so. Yeah, that, that, that's a big key there. It's an honor, not a chore. And I've seen that in so many organizations where it, it really is seen as this, um, this, instead of additive element to help you do your job better and to help you have opportunities for advancement in the company, it actually right. is a distraction. Uh, it takes your time. It takes you away from your normal job. You don't really see the clear benefit of being involved in it. Uh, and of course, employees aren't going to be as excited about being involved in that kind of a program. And of course, C-suite executives aren't going to be as excited about that program because the ROI is not going to be there uh, for them. Exactly. Yeah, well, very cool. And so you started to touch on that the um, the impact on talent recruitment and retention uh, just briefly. Let's delve into that a little bit more. Um, you, you mentioned, you know, how everyone wants to go work for an organization that has a commitment to learning and development that's going to help them develop further in their career and have opportunities for growth and advancement. Uh, you know, I think pretty much most people want that in their careers and in their jobs. I do think most. Organizations and most leaders see that as an important component and that they want to offer that. Yet, that sincerity piece um, that you've mentioned a couple of times now is really important. Uh, I think many C suite uh, executives, you know, they want to be an advocate for these types of programs, they want to be a supporter of them, yet it doesn't come across that way, Um, you know, based on how they're you know, how they're manifesting their support. So, you know, taking good intentions, you know, that's good, but how do we translate, you know, good intentions over to actually impactful practice in generating that kind of perception of C-suite level support for an L&D program to get people more excited for it?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it goes by, you know, not only as we said, you know, being a, a visible advocate, uh, not just once, but continuously, but also, you mean, I think I think you know the investment talks at the end of the day. so you know, I mean, yeah, you know, not' just making sure that a leadership program is not for you know c minus one and c minus two only, right? It means if you're really trying to build a leadership development culture, you have to offer real development to to every stage of the company. So our best clients that do this really well are really segmenting their employee population. so and when mm-hmm. they're really they're visibly putting investment into saying, hey, um, you know the competency that you need for leadership at a at a early stage, a mid stage, and a you know more seasoned executive stage are different, right? And we're going to develop different learning journeys and different experiences based on those competencies, so that you, from the moment you start here or the moment that you enter here, um, that you're clear on what your actual leadership development path looks like. And and I think that's the other you know big reason why people leave a company is career path becomes unclear, right? You know, and career path is not clear, or development isn't valued. I mean, you know, that doesn't keep the people to people out of company, even if you throw money at them often, right? So I think, you know, leadership support at the top, you know, again, so, so like we said, it's not just about turning up on the video, it's not just about making a speech once. I mean, it's, you know, money talks and, and putting the investment into the program at all levels. And um, I love what a lot of our clients have done. You know, they've I use the example of coaching a lot because it's, it's one of the most visible investments that you can give to everybody. Like you can actually democratize coaching um, and make it everybody in the organization. And um, you know, that's how you build a culture of development. And I think that's, you know, the best way that an executive can prove that he or she believes in something is just to make it available, make it available and encourage people to use it. And again, make it a normal part of your cadence. You know, you're getting up in your Mm -hmm. town hall, you know, Highlight the people that have been promoted, that have gotten out of these programs. You know, like really, just you know, again, make it make it an honor um, at all levels, not just the top.
0: Yeah, and you mentioned having those unique pathways. Um, what I've seen, at least traditionally in the past, in tr- the training and development world, the learning and development world, and leadership development world, is that you tended to have these kind of rigid pathways <laughs> for people, but, but organizations are much more agile, or at least they need to be much more agile. Now you talked about yeah. change agility. Yeah. And so what that means is you need more yeah. agile pathways. You need more personalized uh, and unique pathways. Uh, you need to allow people to develop their own pathways. That makes sense. That's complicated, right. obviously. And if you're in a large organization, um, you know that's going to be a challenge. Um, But when we're thinking about the future of work and the the talent shortage and the skills shortage and upskilling and reskilling people, you know, a big part of the conversation is how do we create these unique pathways for individuals? Because as you mentioned, you can throw money at someone for a while to keep them around, but if they feel like they've stagnated in their career, even that money's not going to keep them around. Um, And I've seen many organizations where they basically just admit it. They're like, yeah, we really don't have anything for you. So good luck. And they, they're basically yeah. saying goodbye. We're, you know, we're not willing to put in the work to try to keep you. Right. <laughs> and, and of course people don't stick around in that environment.
1: Exactly. Right. And you know, it's funny about that is that um, I've seen that a lot as well. We, we, we are starting to see it a little bit less because there is definitely, um, there's more of a shift to what we call internal career mobility, but it's really yeah. you know, employment. Right. Um because there is there there's just there's so many open jobs that companies actually can't fill. I mean, it's a really interesting yeah. labor that we're dealing with right now, where you have on one hand, um, you know, you have a lot of large publicized tech downsizings, and on the other hand, you have three and a half percent unemployment in the US. And there's a, you know, there's there's people looking for jobs and there's jobs looking for people, is what yeah. I always say. And so companies are starting to realize that they gotta like that got that comment about like, hey, we don't really have anything for you anymore you know, it's, it's really costly problem. It's a really costly problem to have to keep hiring and releasing, hire and releasing. It's, it's much cheaper, right. To invest some money on some people, help them grow in their career and and like actually help them understand, you know, here are your top five skills today. And here are your skill adjacencies that you can actually develop because these are the new jobs that we're trying to fill. And we'd rather fill them with you than have to go outside. More and more companies are actually doing that. Um, So my hope, that that problem that you just described starts to get solved at least a little bit because yeah, there's nothing worse than you're having a career conversation and you're like, yeah, well, your track here is over. Like, I mean, it's just it's you want people to be, you know, leaving as friends. You don't want people to leave that way, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I do think it is shifting, it is changing, you know, in part just out of necessity, because the nature of work is changing, the nature of organizations is changing. Um, There is a lag though, and there's a lag in a lot of organizations to, to adjust to this change. Uh, And so, you know, yeah, for anyone in the audience today, that's something to think about. Like, what are you doing in your organization in relation to your L&D practices um, to foster this kind of an environment where people can pivot within the organization? Of course, that's always happened. There's always been instances of that, but it's been more rare in the future yeah. of work, it's going to be more and more common. And, and, you know, if you're going to want to keep good people, you're going to have to have unique pathways developed um, with those individuals to help them progress and continue to grow in their careers. Um, yeah. Something else I wanted to touch on for a few minutes before we wrap up is, sure. you know, this return to office mandate that mm-hmm. has become all too common in many organizations. What have you found in your study around yeah. those office mandates Um, how does that map with the continued economic uncertainty and how does the culture of leadership development play into all of this?
1: Yeah, it's actually the the culture of leadership development is a, is a key, is a key method to help solve, I think, sort of, uh issue that we have with return to work right now in the U.S. particularly, because it's not much of an issue, right? That's one thing in the study. Not as much of an issue outside of the U.S. You, you probably have seen this in your in your research as well, where, you know, you know, in continental Europe, I mean, everybody's in the office pretty much every day, right? So when you think about in the U.S., where we were headed even before the pandemic to a bit more of a hybrid model anyway, then it was exacerbated. Um, you know, our research is, is really interesting. What we found is that right now, you know, people just don't like extremes, right? So on the one hand, you know, this is well-documented. The the mandate, especially in financial services right now, to be in the office five days a week, I mean, that's not going over very well. And, you know, my prediction is pretty clear is that, you know, uh, it, if it continues to go down that route, there'll be some retention issues. There's no doubt about it because the labor market is still really strong, right? Um, on the other hand, on the other end of the spectrum, the idea that you can work every day in a virtual environment and be connected to the culture of a company is also not realistic, right? Here's what, what also doesn't work and what people don't like, um, you know, and I always say this to our customers, it's like work, work happens in between meetings, work doesn't happen in the meeting, right? Work happens after the meeting. That's when actually people get things done and you know, so the idea that you're going to have a uh, a virtual environment where you encourage people to come in just for a team meeting once a month or twice a month, that's not really building culture, building communication, collaboration, that's just getting people to see each other and then, you know, go back to their homes. So I don't think that works either. I read uh, the other day a, a customer that we work with um, JB Smucker, they do the uh, jam and, and peanut butter and they have a really novel concept that I could actually see taking off. They have this idea in their headquarters where they have this uh, basically this core week concept where you have 22, 22 weeks out of the year. I think it was, um, in the office in their core weeks they are basically every other week for the most part, except for the summer. And they're finding 80% of the people are in, they're going into the office, right? Uh, Because they've got the flexibility. So it's not like two days a week or three days a week, it's this sort of core week and you manage your, you know, your work in that cycle. Um, Mm -hmm. And it seems to be really taking off pretty well, actually. So I think, you know, the research is pretty clear, you know, hybrid is what people want, right? They don't want, they want hybrid. Coming up with a structure for hybrid is really where the challenge is. And, you know, I think leadership culture is actually a really key part of it, because I think the way to get people back into the office is to say, listen, if you want to grow and develop as a leader in this company, you need to build the relationships, you need to collaborate with people. And, you know, as great as the tech tools are, you know, we're humans. And that kind of has to happen in an office setting, at least some level, right? And so I think designing our programs where at least a component of it is in person then what that's then facilitated by all, a lot of great technology tools, whether it's self-directed learning, whether it's virtual coaching, you know, virtual peer circles. But when you're learning um as a cohort, spend some time together in the office because leadership development should should mirror work at the end of the day, right? Now how work actually happens.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that flexibility piece is key, right? You've mentioned that a couple of times. So that's whatever what, the hybrid version of work looks like in your organization or within particular teams and segments of the organization, you know, there needs to be an element of flexibility there and it needs to be adapted to the needs of your team, right. Of, of your organization. There's not a one size fits all here. Um, And so that's the thing I chuckle about. Uh, You know, when I see these big, you know, CEO mandates, you know, like an Elon Musk, Twitter or X mandate, you know, that everyone comes back in, it's kind of a one size fits all, I, you know, I chuckle at that. I'm like, eh, that's kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> I mean, certainly his right to do that, but um, you know, is is that going to be as effective as it could be if you took more of a, a unit or team level approach to the needs of the people? The other thing you mentioned at the very beginning uh, about the DEI stuff and yeah. how, that component to training and development. One of the really great things about flexibility and in the remote work world is there's actually been a lot of really positive DEI impacts. Uh, for organizations uh, and for people who might have, you know, be employees from traditionally marginalized communities to have more opportunities. The flip side of that is if they're completely remote, then you can actually disproportionately negatively impact their ability to develop and grow within the organization because they don't have that one-on-one mentoring. They don't have the FaceTime. They don't have those those, um, organic interactions that happen in the workplace. So this is a, it's a challenging thing that you just have to balance uh, and work out uh, with, within your team. And again, no, no one size fits all.
1: Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right.
0: Well, John, this has been a real pleasure. I note the time, and I need to let you go here in just a minute, but before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience, how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I'll, I'll give us the final word on the topic and then I'll let you, and then I'll leave you with the, uh, the, um, how to connect with me i think um the, the one thing is really um that rose to the top of the study also is is really this notion of change and agility and how people need to develop leadership skills that to manage change and agility and we found that really rising to the top over 90 percent reported you know agility and responding to organizational shifts as a leadership development challenge. So I really, all the listeners, if you're building leadership development programs and you're really trying to figure out what the competencies are, make sure that you're addressing that whatever way makes sense in your organization um, because it's a really key key leadership development component right now. Um, Yeah, you can reach me if you like at johnjohn.morgan at lhh.com. I'm happy to reach out to any of your listeners and viewers uh, to talk about leadership development or to talk more about LHH and the work that we do. And the research that we do, our website is lhh.com. And just thrilled, John, um, that you had me and I'm happy to, uh, to come back and talk about any of the work that we do at LHH in the future. So thanks again.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, John. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what John and his team at LHH can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and
1: safe and that you have a great week.